Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my two best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Tim, what's up, buddy? No greetings for Sarah at the start from you? Just straight there? I'm sorry. I was told I had to throw to you when we uh, came right on board here. Well, I do have a, I do have a bit. I do okay. have something I just want to mention. And here's the thing. We have a lot, we have a lot of great listeners. And, and they comment, and I read the comments most times. Sometimes I don't. Most of the times I read everybody's comments, try to engage. We get constructive feedback. They don't always agree. Oftentimes they, they agree. Sometimes they disagree, you know, in good faith, which is why we love the board community. There's a small contingent of listeners to the show that think I talk too much. Very small. It's consistent, though. <laughs> small yeah, but vocal. Small but vocal. And, and I've just been thinking about this, and I just, I just wanted to, to address it really quick and just say I've got some great news for these people. Well, before we get to the great news, though, I just, I just want to say, you know, you have a support group. Like, imagine what it was like at the dinner table for me growing up. Like, my poor brothers. I could not get a word in edgewise, you know? I mean, they can't say anything, right? And so, like, there are other people in my life that feel the same way you do, and it's just, it's just not going to change. It just isn't going to change. And I'm sorry that you feel that way, but you know, I'm happy to give you their email if you want to kind of start a little pen pal relationship with them to complain about how much I talk. But you do have another solution, though. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But on Fridays, we have this very podcast, but without me. No, <laughs> it's just JBL and Sarah. And so for the small percentage of people that think I talk too much, that's great. Join Bulwark Plus, and you get a double bonus. You get the Friday podcast without me, and then you get no ads on this podcast. You don't have to hear about Stitchers going away August 29th. You don't have to hear about the you know all of our lovely, supportive you know sponsors who we appreciate. No ads, no Tim. Ten bucks a month plus dot thebulwark.com. And so I just wanted to give that little pro tip to people and and you know help uh, you know join the secret podcast community. All good, no hard feelings. I gotta say, I mean, this is like being mad at Picasso because he painted too much. I I hear that. <laughs> right. I mean, this is you, you paint with words. Thank you. John. Every day, it's what you do. I think people should treasure it and not complain. Yeah, I'm not for. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You know, it's a 10, 15 percent of the listenership want me to dial it back, and it's just not going to happen for them. So I want to give them another option. That's all. All right, Sarah. Do do you have anything before we embark on this uh, this magical journey tonight? No, the next level, to be clear, I mean, it was a Tim, it's a Tim forward vehicle. Oh, we don't need to do this. JBL and I do. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's how we talk about these things, the content meetings. Tim um, plus. This one's going to be Tim plus, okay? <laughs> Uh, on Tuesday evening, we got news that the great campaign reset coming out of Florida is proceeding a pace where 38 more staffers have been laid off from the DeSantis campaign. I should say at the time of this recording, it is not clear if this is 38 additional staffers to the dozen who were laid off late last week or if the 38 is the total number. And the two that were laid off the week before that. Right. So, but either way, we're talking somewhere between... 30 and 50% of the campaign is now gone. And I would like to level set by noting that a few weeks ago, when the fundraising numbers came out, there were a whole bunch of DeSantis stands out there online who said, oh, his numbers are great. These numbers are, don't you listen to the liberal media saying they're a problem. Look at how much money he raised. This is all, this guy is our guy in I think that we've now put that to bed. 
Mm. Yes. Can we put that one to bed finally? We can. So, uh, Sarah, do you have thoughts about this before we there's one staffer in specific we're going to spend some time on in a little bit. So don't don't go jump in there yet, Tim. Uh, what are your thoughts, Sarah? Because I you and I had a conversation about this late last week on the secret podcast in which I argued that DeSantis was done, actually, that uh, that basically th- this is a dead campaign, a zombie campaign walking. Am I right? I don't know about a zombie campaign, I, I, but I was on the phone with a reporter and the reporter asked me something like, is this the reset that DeSantis needs to like regain donor confidence? And and I was like, this is a death spiral. Like when you yes. like firing this many people, like I was like, on what planet can you spin that into a, no, this is about the leaner, meaner DeSantis campaign. Like that's a, let Ron be Ron. You can try to, sp- you can try to <laughs> try to spin it that way. DeSantis is everywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere on a private jet at the Four Seasons and just a fire hose of donor money on on lifestyle stuff. And so I'm sorry that the, it seems like kind of weird the staff were the ones that got the shaft because if they were going to tighten their belts, feels like there was like other things they could cut. Hmm. Uh, but the Four Seasons and the Jets got to stay. So the people got to go. On this point, uh, uh, just a little side story on the DeSantis thing that was uh, was kind of from the, you know, Alexander's Very Bad Day category because it was not related to the reset. Uh, the candidate got into a little little fender bender this morning. We're taping this Tuesday night, mm-hmm. so Tuesday morning. And a uh, little fender bender. Everybody's okay. Uh, but then the thoughts the, and prayers, th- thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, the thoughts and prayers of the nation go out to the DeSantis campaign. Um, but uh, the, the details came out a few hours later. I don't know. Have you guys caught this? The details of what no. happened in the car wreck? Um, Tell it, me uh, more. Uh, the, uh, de- Did they refuse to back down in their car? <laughs> kind of, actually. Reporting showed that the first car in the motorcade uh, braked too quickly, causing the subsequent cars in the motorcade to crash into the DeSantis car, create a little bit of a pileup, which kind of led me to question, like, I guess, I guess the belt tightening starts metaphor next week. Metaphor alert. <laughs> well, a, metaphor alert. <laughs> but B, when does the belt tightening start? Like, wh- why is there a motorcade? I, he's not the president yet. He's just the guy. Like, when me and Jeb would go to New Hampshire, it'd be me and Jeb, like, and his body man. There'd be three of us. We'd have one car. We'd have security. Th- we, you know, when, when there's security threats, we'd have a security guy some of the times, not always. Four, but that's four people. That's a car. That's one. That's a single car. We didn't have a motorcade. It doesn't seem like it is. It's really sunk in, and 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 I think that's that was maybe a notable thing about why this has been a drip, drip, drip happening for weeks now. So there's a real character tell here. You guys both know this that with presidential candidates. So at some point, the Secret Service shows up and basically says, "You got to start protection," right? And this happens. Right. And historically, the campaigns put that off as long as possible, mostly because the candidates themselves hate it's it. It's a hassle. The candidates do not like, they don't like the hassle. They feel like the Secret Service protection prevents them from getting close to voters. It stops them from being able to really engage in the retail stuff. Can't go and pick so, up some crunchy M&Ms at the end of the night, you know. He's right. on Ozempic, I guess, but, you know, you might want a little snack at the end of the day. <laughs> All through, you know, presidential campaign history, you have campaigns absolutely resisting, resisting, resisting. Trump is the first campaign. No, I'm sorry. Obama did this, too, I think. They requested Secret Service coverage early and Trump did the same thing. And I don't think DeSantis has requested it. But this guy, everybody who covers him has noticed, travels around with a giant entourage. And he just loves the look at me. I'm an important guy 
look at all these people with me. And I think part of that is look at me. I'm an important guy. But another thing is I need a buffer between me and people. This is something which I understand. It's actually the only thing that I feel like connects me to Ron DeSantis. <laughs> but uh, but I think it shows his weakness as a just qua candidate. Because, Tim, you would say this, I think. Sarah, you would say this. Most successful politicians enjoy talking to the people they're asking to vote for them. I mean, it seems like an elemental thing, saying that yeah. most great swimmers enjoy water. But y- you see where I'm going with this, right? I do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so part of it is like there's a dysfunction in political types where like they really want to be liked. And when you really want to be liked, though, it creates for you a certain personality of like trying to get people to like you. And this is the problem for Ron DeSantis is that he doesn't have because he doesn't like people. He wants them to like him, but like in an abstract way, right? Like not the closeness of them, not the not the real people. Although Trump is a little Trump is sort of different. Trump really understands people in a reptilian way, but he also likes to keep some distance from the people. He doesn't like it when they they touch him, but he knows how to like connect still. Like Ron DeSantis lacks any form of connection. Trump wants to be liked by people. Mm-hmm. I don't get the sense that, you know, this is and this is one of the great like psychological deficiencies and vulnerabilities of people who are good at politics is like, oh, they're they'll be compromised because they'll do anything to be liked. I don't think Ron DeSantis suffers from that. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't. The other thing it doesn't appear that he suffers for, and I don't know that closely, but just evidence based on, I mean, that they literally reached this point where they're having to fire people without running a single ad. Yeah. And like they haven't, they haven't ran, the campaign hasn't run a single ad. Like it's all the money that they've burned has been on, you know, accoutrement and the four seasons of these travels. And this is, so when McCain, I've been on, I bring a lot of expertise to this subject, so, you know, I'll try not to overtalk <laughs> it. Um, but every campaign I was on in 08, 12, and 16 ended up having to fire people because, you know, uh, we got out of our skis and thought we were going to do better than we were. And, uh, you know, John Weaver was involved in two of those three, so that probably had something to do with it, maybe. Uh, but in the 08 campaign, though, with McCain, McCain, like, when everybody got fired, it was like the real McCain appeared because he didn't want the fucking entourage. He literally, it was not a shtick. Like, like he, he did not want it. Like I, you know, we would stay at disgusting hotels in Iowa and I would be like, I don't, I can't stay here. I don't, I'm too prissy for this, you know? And like 25 year old Tim. Can we pay a few more bucks? 25 year old Tim wore fake eyeglasses. I did wear fake eyeglasses, <laughs> like, but to they seem were not older. prescription, but he, just to look more serious. To seem older and look more serious. You know, That's right. John McCain did spend time in the Hanoi Hilton. So he did. for him, so it was I mean, his level him. set was probably yeah. a little more rugged than yours. Exactly. So, But he loved that. He'd come out in the morning and be in good spirits. He wouldn't complain. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't complaining about it. Wasn't like that. And so the, the leaner, meaner kind of campaign thing really served him well. Like it paired well with the candidate. And that wasn't the only reason that he ended up coming back, you know, but, but I, I think that it was one of the reasons, you know, it, you guys talked about this on the secret cloud, but like the, the, it doesn't match DeSantis, right? This notion that, Oh, we're going to get him out there with the people more. And, and, you know, we're going to get rid of the, you know, the gates that are between the candidate and, and, and the voters. And it's like, no, I mean, the voters like put the gates back up. Okay. Like we like, <laughs> we like him from a distance. And so I, I just, I think it reflects, you know, some other, some other problems that they, that they've gone this way. And, and just the last problem that I think that it reflects that a lot of people, a lot of people commented on, Whit Ayers commented on this on the, on the Crystal podcast is it shows that he doesn't have a lot of faith in his team. 
the other thing, see what you want about Trump. He had the stupidest team ever in 22, you know, in 2016, but he rolled with it. Like they just listened to him. Yes, sir. Mr. Trump tweet, whatever you want, the golf caddy, you know, but there was an honest kind of exchange that was happening between principal and staff. It seems like that wasn't happening here because otherwise you would not have a three pronged firing bloodletting. Like, so like there've been three separate stories in in a, in a 10 ish day period of different groups of firings. And as the PR man who had to oversee two of those three firings that I mentioned in, in 12 and 16, you know, my whole message to the, to the principal and to the campaign manager was like, Pull the fucking bandaid off. Like, if you think we're gonna have to do this again, then then just do it. Then fire all those people now. I'm sorry to, you know, the poor finance staff listening to this podcast who got who got kicked out of the, those campaigns earlier than they felt like they should have. But like, that is the way to handle this. And it seems like there there isn't that trust in DeSantis' world because he doesn't have any people that he's kept around that he trusts. Sarah, how important is the August debate now for DeSantis? I mean, yeah, I guess it's super important. He's got to do something. I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't know. Everything's important for DeSantis. Uh, there's just a new Monmouth poll that came out. He has not moved. He has not budged. He has not added any support. Trump continues to add a little bit of support. Any of the time they do a poll where they ask people the second choice, Trump is the predominant second choice of most voters. Um, and so like, yeah, the debate's super important uh, because that'll be a time I think when people are paying attention, although, man, if Trump doesn't come, And it looks like the JV squad. I mean, it's important for DeSantis, but like it also could easily be the thing that undoes DeSantis, right? Because he's not that good at this. That's what I mean. Maybe like Nikki Haley's has a pretty good night or like Tim Scott is really cheerful. And people are like, I like that guy. Vivek Vivek is going to have a great is going to have a great night. Okay, here's the thing. I read Tim's piece and Tim kind of like took a shot at people who are still trying to do something about Trump. So I have this tension that Tim exists. Bet- yeah, you. I, I read your, your stuff. I yeah. read your thing about the two primaries. And you were basically the like, day it comes out. You were like, what's the point of there's like, you were like, there's no, there's no chance. There's no chance that anything breaks through here. For the more normal anti-Trump candidate, like for, for however you want to put it, there's no but chance. Do you think that- there's a chance for DeSantis? Yeah. Okay. I do. Great. Uh, because I think that Trump is dangerous enough that like, you've still got to, there is only one option. There's only one path. And that is somebody else wins Iowa and they change people's perception around the idea that somebody else is electable and more electable than Trump. And so like, this is what JV and I are talking about. Like the point of DeSantis is I actually want him to just flame out. Like, I do not want this drip. I want him to flame out and give somebody else a chance to rise up and be the number two. And while I understand your analysis, Tim, otherwise we're left with nothing. And like, when this drops, it will be public that like we're going live with a campaign in Iowa. Uh, we got two time Trump voters talking about why they don't want Trump to be the nominee. We being the rep. Republican yep. accountability pack. Yep. The we being another thing that I do. And we got tons of testimonials and people all say the same thing. Trump has too much baggage to win. He can't beat Joe Biden. That is an anxiety that you hear in the focus groups. It's basically the only anxiety. It's the only thing is like we're not sure Trump can win a general election. Which is why DeSantis is absolutely so frustrating because instead of trying to consolidate 
the group of people that want to move on from Trump and then try to convince some of the maybe Trumpers to join that coalition. He's wrestling Trump for his death cult. And when he's done that, he's undermining the one major case for himself, which is electability. Because one of the things that's in this Monmouth poll is that people are starting to see Trump as more electable than Ron DeSantis. Like it used to be be in the early days when I was talking about all the focus groups and I was listening to people electability was why they liked Ron DeSantis. He was Trump without the baggage, man. That was what they called him. Trump without the baggage. Trump with the mute button. Now they think DeSantis is, you know, just just as crazy crap. So like, why not just go with the real thing? Yeah. I just want to defend my honor about that article. Maybe I should be a clear, a clearer writer um, uh, about the point that I was trying to make. But just just to 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 follow up on this, I, I don't think it's not worth a try to stop Trump. The point that I was making this article about the two primaries, the real primary and the fantasy primary, and I think you're engaging in the real primary. The real primary is among people who like Trump. Like yeah. they like Trump. Maybe right. they're thinking about somebody else. They're and I think I used the words high, it's highly unlikely that's Tim Scott. He was the only one that I was willing to even caveat with a highly. It's highly unlikely that it's Tim Scott for all the reasons you laid out in the pre-Trump, you know, you know, BC, B, before Trump versus after yeah. Trump. It's highly unlikely it's him. It's it's likely that it's somebody from MAGA world. Right now, the people that the that the the people that are gonna decide this primary, the people that listen to MAGA media, the people who show up to these events, overwhelmingly, they like Trump. They liked DeSantis, maybe increasingly not. You know, Vivek is interesting. RFK Jr. is interesting. He's in the wrong primary, right? Like those are the people, right? Like, and, and if you ask them, do you like Tim Scott? They'll be like, sure, I like Tim Scott. But like yeah. Tim Scott, you know, when I listen to Candace, Candace doesn't even mention Tim Scott. I, listen, I had to listen to her for a whole month. I, I don't think she mentioned him one time, right? Like he he doesn't exist in this world. Like he doesn't, he, like they're not even really considering him. And if Trump, and I, I don't think that if, if it came to it, where Tim Scott started to rise, I think he'd be annihilated very easily because I don't find him to be a particularly deft candidate. I think Haley or, or Vivek will, will be better on the debate stage. So anyway, that was the point I was making in the primary and that we, and I'm t- tired of indulging the fantasy primary where maybe some stuff will happen and Tim Scott or Glenn Youngkin will come off the sidelines or maybe things will turn around and, 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 and some imaginary thing will happen, you know, where somebody that, that is a different direction from Trump is going to be the nominee and that's not going to happen. And that the, to continue to pretend like that is going to happen is, is doing a disservice and, and the people that are doing it are doing it for bad reasons really and and they should they need to come to terms with what's really happening in their own party and you know my, so the last thing on this is just the, the frustrating part of this is you just read story after story about like ken griffin donor out of chicago is moving off to santas and moving to tim scott and it's like it does not matter what ken griffin is doing like tim scott has 60 million tim scott could have six billion like like people know trump and they're going to know Tim Scott. This is not a house primary where you can where more money is going to make the difference. Like these big donors that that think that they're masters of the universe, they're not masters of the MAGA voter. The MAGA voter is going to decide what they want, and it's not going to be what some fucking rich guy in Sun Valley wants. Like that's it. You can try to manipulate it within that. I think your strategies are smart, sir. I think there are other strategies that are smart trying to manipulate, but but it's it's going to result in a candidate that we don't like. Like it might not be. Trump, it'll be better than Trump, hopefully, but it's not going to be like some some shining knight coming off. Well, the everybody's wall better to me. Everybody's better than Trump, sure, right? Because yeah. I'm in an anybody but Trump world. Same. But there are only there's margins and how right. much they're better. And like Tim Scott is marginally much better than DeSantis. And I got to tell you, I got a text from like someone who knows Iowa a consultant out there. And 
they were saying they think uh, they think Tim Scott moves to moves past DeSantis before the debates happen. Like that we could live in a world where Tim Scott's running Maybe. number two by then. Maybe. Because I agree with you that he can't beat Trump, but I I also think Tim Scott could get the 20% of DeSantis it was. Sure. Chris Christie could get to second. And it's not hard to get to second when Donald Trump's at 60. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, like you only need to get to 17. And like, so there's 17% of Republicans that are still work for a normal person. But it's like, we're having a big discussion among donors and strategists about who's going to be the best to get to 17. <laughs> and it's like, kind of who cares who gets to 17? Like, it's, it's can somebody get above that? Can somebody start to eat into Trump? I don't think that's going to be Tim Scott. Well, I mean, so here the the thing is that in order to make a move like that, you have to kill DeSantis. And that's why I think the August debate is so pivotal, because if Trump does not show and at this point, Trump would be insane to show up. It would be the dumbest thing in the world. Right. Uh, DeSantis is mortally wounded. He's a bleeding target. Let him stand up there and have everybody else try to, do, you know, land the coup de grace and just get him out of the race, muscle him out of the race so that by October, November, he basically has to drop out if he's going to retain any viability going forward, right? It's possible that he drops. I, w- I would yeah, have told no, you, I would have told you a month ago that there's no way he drops out before Me South Carolina. And Same I don't thing. Know. I, 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 I would have said that as does. well. I now think that it's depending on the outcome of the August debate. I think it is possible that DeSantis does not make it to Iowa even. Not likely, but possible. There's a second thing. I want to say this about Tim Scott. I would like to dredge up a metaphor from our very recent past. You guys remember the story of Yevgeny Prigozhin? I do. The head of the Wagner Group who started out by wanting to, to make a demonstration in his his little uh, weird triangle with the Russian Ministry of Defense and Vladimir Putin, who he thought was his buddy. And he he took his Wagner forces and said, we're going to go on like a freedom march toward Moscow. And then all of a sudden they're within 100 miles of Moscow and everybody thinks that he's trying to overthrow Vladimir Putin. And this guy who thought he was Putin's BFF finds himself disavowed and unpersoned and has to flee the country and run for his life. To me, that's what Tim Scott is going to feel about if he pops into second place in Iowa. Because Tim Scott, who thought that this campaign was like a nice little way to maybe get in on the action to be Trump's VP, if he finds himself actually in a position where Trump sees him as a threat, I don't think we're going to love living in a world where a black guy is a threat to Donald Trump politically. I'm just going to say I think that that could the the number of days before Trump starts calling him a thug would be numbered in the zeros. So, uh, but I, ben I agree Carson with you lived that I through think, that already. Yeah, I, I think ben Trump Carson. is is uh, absolutely Tim Scott is absolutely I think the next man up here to see if he could consolidate all of that anti-Trump em- energy and get himself to 17. Um, sure. Yeah. No, this is what well, I, I think. You that's, get to 17. Uh, and and how maybe get to 37. That's my question. You know, here, get to here's, how, here's how. Here's how. So, so, Trump dies. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Well, okay. the, the, the Monmouth poll. So the Monmouth poll, you know, it had Trump up by a lot um, when they run it and they take everybody else out and they do a head to head ballot test. It's like DeSantis 35, Trump 45. No, Trump 55. He's up 20 head to head. Are you sure? Yeah. And then he's up 30 on Scott and. 40 on somebody else, I think. This is this was where I yeah. was my point, was that in a head-to-head, DeSantis does 10 better than Scott. So Scott's now going to get... And who are those people? MAGA people. Yeah. 
But if DeSantis, I mean, if DeSantis does implode, right? If I mean, he implodes. Yeah, Scott could get it. Why couldn't Scott like, win Iowa? I, the thing is, is I like generally agree. I like generally agree with this. I, I think it's, it is highly unlikely that there is a massive appetite for Tim Scott. In fact, I know that there is not. I do think there's like those opportunities for weird dynamic shifts when right now we've been locked in the same dynamic. Like that, the way, the consistency in these polls for DeSantis living at 20% is basically, he's got to go up or down. And I think if he's yeah. not going up, we could expect him to start maybe going down soon. I agree. And and here's why, why to, to make the effort, Tim, because you have to get into, as Bobby Knight, you say, you got to get into position to be in position. Right. And I'm for making the effort. Sarah put that in my those words in my mouth. There's nothing in the article that says don't make the effort. What I'm saying is don't live in a fantasy world. Uh, The effort, particularly an effort. And and the end of the article says this, like the thing that pisses me off about the imaginary primary, the fucking donor primary, the people that are propping up Tim Scott is they're all over there going, we're the smart ones. We're the normal ones. We got to figure out how to get our normal guy through. And then the minute that that inevitably fails, they're going to be like, oh, actually, okay, we'll get in line behind the most abnormal pre- presidential candidate in the nation's history. Right. Okay. Well, so but fuck also, they're guys. not going to. That is different than saying, oh, let's put in a good faith effort to try to 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 undermine Trump's, you know, uh, popularity with the base. Yeah, that's I know. That's what problem. I'm saying. That's the problem what, that's is what I'm that saying. they're they're like not actually going at Trump. They're just sort of standing around waiting. Hey. This is the instead of going at. All right. Listen. Let's get to the candy, Tim. I mean, I don't want you to have to talk too much, but uh, were there any firings from the DeSantis campaign that you were particularly interested in? So you'd think that I would want the bloody shirt on this one, but this is like, so, Tim has gone soft. I'm, I'm, I'm a dad what? now and I've gone soft. Yeah, so you can do the oh, bloody shirt for me. Boo. So this guy, Nate Hockman, was a was hired initially. I think he claimed to be DeSantis' speechwriter. I don't know if DeSantis ever actually was going to let him be the speechwriter because of the com- the point from earlier about how DeSantis doesn't trust anyone. Maybe he wrote some speeches. It's hard to say. But he got hired after having worked for the National Review and some other places. Smart guy, uh, without a Loves doubt. the Bronze Age pervert. Smart guy, 25-year-old, uh, and, and he made this hard pivot to... Likes Nick Fuentes. Kind of this NatCon world. Like he wanted to be one of these online edgelord white boys who's like, who saw where the party was going. You know, if if Nate Hockman had come up 20 years ago, he would have been going down the Matt, Michael Gerson and Matt Scully lane into neoconism. Like I, it was just, it's like, if you're 25 and you want to be a conservative uh, influence, you want to be influential in the next Republican White House, the way to go is to go MAGA, right? And so he did. And and, and he was on this Twitter space with Nick Fuentes, the white nationalist, you know, groiper bro. And um, someone sent us the audio of it. And so I wrote an article about how DeSantis had hired um, the guy that on this audio was talking about how Nick Fuentes was based and how like, oh, he might he might go overboard in certain ways, but like it's a good sign. You know, it's, it's better for the future of conservatism than Ben Shapiro you know, wink, wink, uh, uh, parentheses around his name. Uh, it's better than, it's not better than like the Ben Shapiro neocon route. And, um, so I wrote about this. I wrote about how it tells you where DeSantis's campaign is going to go. It's going to be very online. It's going to, you know, play with these kind of racist tropes. It's going to be this, you know, contrarian white boy online vibe of, of his campaign. If that's going to be a speechwriter. Um, and, and that's exactly the way that the campaign went. And, 
even before I would have expected, four months after I wrote that article, it was revealed that that Nate was making secretly these base DeSantis videos that were going around. It's unclear. It hasn't been reported yet if he did the homophobic one. Seems like probably. But he definitely did the other video that was going around that ended up with some Nazi Sonnenrad. imagery. Is that yeah, what it, some, I, like He's so deep in this culture now. Like I, I you know, I, It's like these occult Nazi images. And, uh, and, and he created a sock puppet account you know, that he was putting it out through. And then DeSantis people were retweeting it. And this is all stuff that's just like, you know, if you're not on Twitter, uh, then like it's 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 like listening to Chinese to explain it. But you know, essentially, <laughs> he was putting out these not these videos that had some wink, wink, nod, nod, chuckle, chuckle, Nazi uh, references, and um, he got canned as part of the layoffs. Uh, maybe slightly do you know? It it seems like maybe for cause. Um, there were multiple articles about him as a stand as a standalone. Um, yeah, and uh, for and, well, I mean, there was there was cause given for being in the quotes too online. Yeah, and so I, I just like here's my thing. I can see how this happens. I can see how it happens. And these these kids, they they they're given too much power too early. And I can see how you think it's edgy and contrarian and based to do this. And I can see how you get sucked up into it. And I can see how you could look at the Republican Party right now and think my only hope of having my dream job ever is to kind of go this route, go the MAGA route. And I can be the intellectual one. I can be the smart one. I can toe the line. I did all that. I, I hear it. I get it. And um, and and he's having a very the bad Nazi day. Stuff, he's the got Nazi liberal stuff, parents. Though. Yeah, no, it's fucking horrible. It's gross. Yeah, no, no, it's horrible. I'm not excusing it. What I'm saying is, like, I can't wave the bloody shirt because I'm like, he's got a mom and a dad. They're liberal. They live in Oregon. They've got this contrarian kid who's who's too smart for his own good and tried to be too, too cute by half. And, like, now, like, multiple national news outlets are, are, are writing about how he got fired because he did a video that had a, had a, a not-so-subtle Nazi image at the end. Really bad fucking choices. So, you know... You make your own, you make He's your bed. You got to lie in it. I get it, but it's just like I just I, I'm very I'm frustrated by the story because this it's kid like, will be hired inevitable. by the Claremont Institute. In yeah, five no, be, yeah, I know, I know, but it's it's so clear to me. I saw it all coming. Like I saw it. I wrote. I, I wrote it. I like. Sarah, I saw Tim it. Tim has gone soft. I was going to say, yeah, this is like this compassionate Tim is like pretty weird. I don't like no. it. I don't like it one bit. So I, I but here's where I'll here's where I'll go with Tim a little bit, which is I think that we can view with indulgence some of this stuff from these young guys. Here's the thing. It is not to DeSantis's credit that he fired this guy. It is to no. DeSantis's discredit that he ever hired this guy because it was clear who he was. It is discredit to the national review for whom he wrote prior to this. And the fact that this is where the whole movement is and is an indictment of the whole movement. Where I think Tim is right about is the fact that like, People are going where they think the power source is. They are they are yeah. moving to where they think they can have influence, which means. But the fact that it means little Nazi nods, like kill it all with fire, like yeah. shoot. The, this is where I'm with JVL and just like shoot this guy into the sun and everybody who's aided and abetted him. And this is the fundamental problem with this entire party right now, but also with DeSantis's campaign. I, I mean, the idea that that. 
this guy, sure, he was too online. He was your digital director, though. Uh, so that's like sort of the job description, right? Isn't that what he was doing there for them? Or was he just <laughs> literally he was hired to be a meme guy? His title was very vague. It wasn't technically it wasn't digital director. The digital director got from anyway, I don't know. He, he had a, he had an amorphous title that included some digital things for sure. But this is Sarah. I'm sorry. There's a sports reference. Um, this is a little bit like drafting Sean Bradley. There's a throwback for you, Tim. And then having the GM cut him a year was later. Sean Bradley, an alt-right white nationalist? I don't remember No. That. Do you remember oh. Sean Bradley? The, no, I, just, the, I didn't remember his politics. The storm. And, no, I'm saying that it'd be like the 76ers drafting Sean Bradley and then cutting him a year later and saying, this guy's too tall. Like, I'm just, the reason you drafted him was because he's seven foot seven. Right. This is yeah, the reason Nate Hockman hired was hired this was because he was so online. This is they wanted to get yes. they wanted him to give them cred with yes. all the Nick Fuentes types. But also the, the idea that they're they're firing him for being too online when the DeSantis whole team decided to announce on Twitter. <laughs> like you're all too online, bro. Every last one of you. Yeah, I know. And this is I, I don't mean I don't mean it to sound like I, I am I have sympathy. Like the person should have gotten fired and he shouldn't have gotten hired. I totally agree with all that. My point is that I think that there's a lot of people that do not see clearly that like it's this all this is related to the last topic about the real primary and the imaginary primary, like the mega racist race baiting contrarian conspiracy laden element of this it's this all the way down i know that people don't want the party to be like that i know that they want the party to change but it, it's that and so i can see how you're a 24 year old that has your whole career ahead of you and you're like if i want to be successful in this party i got to play footsie with this shit and i'm trying to be the the gentle shepherd saying to them no actually you don't like you have to do something else like 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 there is no other like there, there is no soft, you know, way around this. Sure, you can go work for Tim Scott, who's going to lose, who's going to have sixty million. You're going to have a nice, you can have a nice job. You can not post Nazi memes. You can feel good about yourself, but you're not going to work in the White House, right? And you're not really going to have a chance to win, right? And so, like that's like that's the state of affairs in the party right now. And and a lot of people don't want to like recognize that that's where we are. And like Nate Hockman, like did Nate Hockman did recognize it, and he and then he made some really bad choices after he, after he recognized it. You have done my my transition work for me uh, because we have a new ad, not really by the Trump campaign, but made to look like it's by the Trump campaign. And Megyn Kelly, when this ad dropped on Tuesday evening, she was just oh, whew, she needed a cigarette about it. Uh, Sebastian, can we have just a little? A little bit of the hotness here. If I was the deep state and I wanted to destroy America, I would rig the election with a puppet candidate. One that was so compromised that they would never say a word about it. I would create a false flag that allows for mail-in ballots. I would be in charge of the ballot counting machines. <laughs> Goes on like that for 90 more seconds. The techno beat keeps going crazier. Uh, it hits... Every mainstream political figure in America for the last 20 years, from Hillary Clinton to Anthony Fauci to George W. Bush, as if they are all the same. There are pictures of, like, goats and wolves. <laughs> it's just, wow. It's like if you had a pipeline into Alex Jones's head while he was on an acid trip. 
Is that an okay approximation descriptor? Yeah. Were you compelled by the argumentation? By the argumentation, JVL? I mean, I don't really know what to say. Sarah, here's my question. If you showed this ad to a bunch of focus group type Sarah people, what do you think their reactions would be? Oh, I don't like anticipating what focus group reactions are going to be. I'd like okay, try not fair. to do it because uh, I can usually just tell you what they say about actual things. Uh, in this case, I haven't shown this to anybody. I don't know, though. I, I like so my first my first reaction was the Trump team can't have put this out. You know, when Tim was talking about Chinese before, like like that, this is just all or Greek, you know, like the, like this Twitter stuff is insane. This is the weirdest. It, we all talked about deep fakes, like deep fakes were going to be the thing. But it's actually crap like this where you're like, who made the ad? Like this is like it says Trump 2024 at the end, but it's probably not from the Trump campaign. And so like uh, and I, so you have to basically run it down on Twitter to be like, who is sharing this? And it, the original source, not the original original source, but like the central tweeter is Frank Luntz. And Frank Luntz being like, this is alarming. And everyone's tweeting it from there. Kevin McCarthy's roommate. So maybe maybe Kevin yeah. was making it. <laughs> maybe, but Frank Luntz does is not pro-Trump, and he calls the ad alarming. But like, so now it's gone viral, right? It's like the Streisand effect of disinformation or whatever. So Trump will get to keep his hands clean on it, but it will essentially make the arguments that he likes to make about Q and I mean, there's all this there's groomer stuff in there. There's a bunch of drag queens. Yep. It's like it is bananas. Uh, and also, to Tim's point, perfectly on brand for where things are. Uh, like, it's perfectly normal online content for the online right. It's insane. Can I tell you some, yeah. my, my response to it? Mm-hmm. I, I, and this is just maybe my broken brain after a month of Candace. I, I found it convincing. I think those people are going to be convinced. <laughs> I, like, I'm not convinced, but it's just like, I, I, but if you spend a month in this media world and you're just like, what would the deep state do? They'd put up a patsy. Yeah, the, these people think that Joe Biden is a patsy. You know, like they'd steal the election. These people think that the election was stolen. They should they let the Chinese put a Wuhan virus out on people. That's what they all think that happened. It was an, an, intentional. You'd orchestrate vote by mail. Yeah, right. George Soros would own all of the politicians that matter. And like all and six was is, a false flag. Right. Yeah. All it does is is combine all of the conspiracies into a into a clean cleanish 98 second package with a techno beat right that's all the ad is it's the unifying conspiracy message of what the deep state is doing and how they're doing it um to target trump and to target trump's voters that is something that is resonating again which goes which goes back to the point of my article which was maligned so i keep having to defend it but like the people that vote in this primary, like, believe some combination of all this shit. Like, all you have to do is look at polls. Sarah does the focus groups. But, like, not everybody Republican, but a majority of the Republican Party thinks Joe Biden is, Ill- is illegitimate. You know, like, thinks that, that Joe Biden is, you know, has dementia and, and is a fucking Trojan horse, right? Like, like, they think all this stuff. And so, like, that ad to me, like, is going gonna, is gonna to probably land with them. And how do you break these people out of that? I don't know. I, even Eric Erickson said in the Twitter, now, he wasn't like, like Megyn Kelly going like, I was all excited about this. But Eric Erickson said, 
my reaction to this is that it's just it's the kind of thing that convinces people more and drives them more into the cult and and hurts us more with general election voters. And I think that that analysis is basically right. Like, like it is just continuing to drive this this narrative. Just the other thing is, is like for the percentage of non-online people who are not like steeped in the memeage of all of that and like don't really talk in the deep state language. And that's a, there's a lot of people in focus groups who don't. Right. And they're like just not tuned in. They would just think that was funny, though. Like they wouldn't, it's not that it would like convince them necessarily. They would just like watch it and be like, that's funny because that is the trick of Trump. It is always some people take him literally and some people take him seriously and other people just like, "Eh, it's, that's great. Like that's all fun stuff. But directionally, here's my thing, Sarah, is don't you think, now again, not, not putting your words in focus groups, people's mouths, but just, just thinking about the non-online focus group people you've talked to. Some of them think it's funny, but directionally, directionally, like this is the literally not seriously thing. The details might not be right. They might not literally believe that there is a shadowy deep state that orchestrated the Wuhan virus. And, but like directionally, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah. The people in Washington are kind of targeting us and targeting Trump and it's unfair. And they're corrupt. And, and I do believe in the deep corrupt. state. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like directionally, they're like, I might not think like get all the Giga Chad references, but like directionally, like this sounds this sounds more right to me than the story being posed by the left about how, you know, the virus came from, you know, from natural causes and that sleepy Joe Biden really got 81 million votes. Sarah, I have in my mind's eye, a picture of a very particular type of Republican voter. He is a guy. He is white. He is, you know, Christian-ish. He is college-educated professional. Maybe he's a dentist. Maybe he is a lawyer. You know, not like a high-powered lawyer at a big firm, but like... Simple country lawyer. mid-sized city firm or something. No, not even simple country, right? He lives in a, a really nice suburb of Cleveland, Right. Uh, Or of St. Louis. And he has always, you know, he's like 40, 45, maybe 50 years old. And he's always taken his cues from the Wall Street Journal editorial page. And he's not actually especially like super conservative on abortion stuff, but he really cares about like tax cuts and the state of the economy and the unemployment rate. And how's his 401k doing? How is the Dow do you, do you know the type of guy I'm talking about? And is he real? Yeah, that guy's, a, a, that guy's a DeSantis voter. Okay. But he'll vote for Trump. Does that guy still exist anymore? Are they, are they real or are those guys down to like, you know, 2% of the Republican electorate? No, no. I think, look, I, I say this a lot, but I think that there's, the, the party is roughly this, it's a spin on Whit Ayers' thing, but it's different. I think like there's 30% that's always Trumpers, 30% that's maybe Trumpers, 30% that's move on from Trumpers. And the move on from Trumpers tend to be more or less DeSantis people. And then there's like 10% that's kind of like neverish Trumpers and they're like in the in the Haley Scott numbers. Um, and those are old guards. But like that dentist is convinced. And I, I talk to these people, I hear from that guy a lot. Uh, there was a guy just like this in Iowa, even voted for Obama, but really regrets it. But, you know, they're they're normal-ish people. They're totally normal people. But they think that the Democrats have lost their minds. And if you showed that person this ad, they would still say it's the Democrats who have lost their minds? I mean, to be honest, what they would do is they would ask, they would be like, who is that from Trump? Like, who put that out? That, like, seems like normal Internet trash. 
Okay. Here is why Trump has benefited from being on truth. You know some things we know Trump put out recently? Trump put out multiple bleats this week um, about how the government did January 6th. The feds did January 6th. He did multiple bleats from Trump's account on his, his social media account about how the government did January 6th. Some problems with that. He was the government during January 6th, you know. Uh, so I guess technically true, I guess, right? The government did do January 6th. The president did it. Um, but uh, anyway, that's not like, a, oh, where did this AI deepfake thing come from? That's like the guy that's running, the, that is leading the party. And, and, then, and then my guess is that that is the dentist would look at that and be like, well, that's not enough for Trump. You know, he's, it's just, he's too much of that, too much of that weird shit. That's why I'm not for him. But the problem is that, like, that, that they're slowly being groomed, to use that word, to, like, end up getting back in line behind him again, you know, by, you know, from all of this other, from, from this ecosystem of the normal people that they support who are all out there echoing this. I mean, Kevin fucking McCarthy, Tim Scott, and Ron DeSantis are all people this week that are, like, that have said this week that the deep state is targeting Trump. Because his poll numbers are going up. McCarthy said that directly. The other two like basically said that. So those are the good guys. They're out there advancing a conspiracy that the, the the same conspiracy that's in that ad. So like there's a direct line for people who aren't watching the good guys in quote in quotes. There's a direct line from the people doing the the deep state da, 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 ad to what Kevin McCarthy, the speaker of the house, is saying. It's not that different. It's just, you know, there's a like fancier sheen on it. So this is actually a really important point. I try to make this to a lot of people about how the Republicans are very good at taking an issue. Let's say defending kids, right? Defending kids, big, broad issue. I'm in favor well, that of that. Can be, that works for QAnon and, and like the sound of freedom, sex trafficking obsessed to the groomer stuff all the way up to normies who are like the Dems were crazy about COVID and my kid wasn't in school. Right. Or like, I care about what my kids, I don't want my kindergartner to learn about stuff that I think is weird. And so like that defending kids umbrella signals different things to different parts of the constituency. And that's why people that's are like, so profound. They were like, isn't the, they're like, isn't the QAnon stuff? Like, doesn't that, isn't that for the normies? Isn't that a turnoff? And I'm like, the normies are engaging with a different part of the protect children, not the QAnon stuff. That is a deeply, deeply profound point. Yeah. Depressing. All right. We're going long, but I'm going to give you guys a choice. Uh, do you want to talk about Kevin McCarthy floating the idea of impeachment? No. Or do you want to talk about AOC and the breakup with uh, Freddie DeBauer and in New York Magazine? All right, we'll do we'll do that then. Uh, New York Magazine is a long piece by everybody's favorite socialist, Freddie DeBauer, who uh, is sad. who is very very angry and who is breaking up with AOC. And the reason is because uh, she went on to Pod Save America that was going to uh, to announce her endorsement of Joe Biden. And the pod save bros are really bad because they define the what is acceptable liberalism in the Democratic Party and that this was AOC kissing off the radicals. He, he, I just want to read a little bit to you. I'm sorry. AOC was putting a bow on a half decade long drift from radical outsider to establishment liberal. Since taking office in January of 2019, she has deferred to party leadership again and again on the issues that matter, even as she has made token gestures of resistance to solidify the illusion that she is a gadfly. 
And increasingly, she seems stung by criticism from the left to the point where she appears ready to simply embrace her party and its politics with open arms. In a 2021 interview with a publication of the Democratic Socialists of America, Ocasio-Cortez attacked left critics of the Biden administration on identitarian grounds. We really have to ask ourselves, this is AOC speaking, what is the message that you are sending to your black and brown and undocumented members of your community, to your friends, when you say that nothing has changed? And Freddie DeBoer means all of this as an indictment of AOC. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm reading it and saying, oh, so AOC has learned how to do politics and is interesting in governing. That's really interesting. Do you have thoughts, Sarah? Tim has more thoughts on this. I, I did I, not read this piece. Oh, so you you can take the Kevin McCarthy side of the wheel if you want. I, I um I want to mail this piece to you to the dentist just to see what he has to say. That's <laughs> really what I want to do because like the, like Freddie, I'm with you. Like we me, me and Fre- Freddie's writing the same words. I'm reading his words. We both understand the same language. But I'm like everything he writes. I'm like this is great. I was like I was like AOC, this is <laughs> AOC is doing great. Uh, you know, and there's certain things I still disagree with AOC. I did, does the vote this week with nine people about how Israel's racist. Very bad. Like Israel has some problems. I don't like that vote. I, there are a lot of ISIS countries. Sure. We can do that vote for a lot of countries. Um, I, you know, with Israel, things I think can, can be a little especially touchy, um, you know, because of the anti-Semites, rabid anti-Semites we have everywhere. So I didn't love that vote. I, I don't love that that she does the identitarian stuff. Like, I think Freddie's right about that. Though that quote was like, Right. Yes. Like, Freddie's Freddy's like, dun, 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 AOC's playing identity politics. Here's the quote. And it's like, it's like, it's kind of a bad thing if all the black and brown and indigenous voters and undocumented voters, like, are told that we're the same as Donald Trump, because that's not true. We're better than Donald Trump. We're marginally better. Nothing's changed in the last two years. It's it's like that old meme that's like, oh, excuse me, I'm just trying to make society marginally better. (laughs) It's like, it's like things have gotten marginally better under Joe, under Joe Biden. Um, I, I, I think that I know that this is like clip this and let the fucking National Review talk about this on their podcast. But like I, AOC is significantly better than than the Andy Biggs of the world. Lauren Boebert. Like she's significantly better. There are things I don't like. There are things I disagree with that she says. Like we disagree with plenty of things, but she is trying to to be a responsible governing partner with the president like she she does stuff occasionally just for the clicks but like not really not nearly as often as 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 the you know matt gates's of the world do you don't see her nearly as often out there saying crazy shit just to get a lot of retweets i don't know that saying crazy tweets would get her a lot of retweets but i think that being just a regular old democrat now has helped aoc probably because she's expanded, you know, the the types of people that would support her if she did decide to run for Senate in New York as a Democrat. So I, I think that it is that what is happening with AOC is so reflective of the, you know, of the imbalance, you know, between the what it, what is extreme in each party and that it's OK for any both sides commentator to just be like, well, the Democrats have AOC and the Republicans have Lauren Boebert. And it's like. They're behaving very differently. For, even forget the merits of the policy, their policy positions. Even putting that aside, their behavior is very different. And AOC could have gone the direction in the first two Biden years. And she did a little bit. You know, the squad for a little while stalled on BBB, et cetera. But they could have done a lot more of that. Like they could have ground government down. They had a very slim majority. They could have done all the shit that, they're, that the far right has done to Kevin McCarthy. And like she just didn't. And um, and I think that headline, AOC is just a regular old Democrat now, is like, right. I, and I think that that's a good thing. And Freddie thinks it's a bad thing, which is fine. 
Well, it's it's only a good thing if Democrats want to win elections and then govern. Those, I mean, right. I mean, if, if you are interested in doing other things, then maybe it's not a good thing. Here's the one thing I would say, and I, you know, not all progressives. I have many progressive friends who I love. But progressives like Freddie DeBoer and Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, um, they all share one foundational belief, which America's is bad. OK, they share two foundational beliefs, <laughs> which and the, the second of them is that there is absolutely nothing out of the ordinary about Donald Trump. That Donald Trump is the same as every other Republican. He's the same as George W. Bush, the same as Ronald Reagan, the same as Mitt Romney. Better, maybe. And, he didn't do any wars. And Better. also, he's the same as the, the Democratic Party. He's the same as Barack Obama. He's the same as Nancy Pelosi. He's the same. And I like if that's the way in which you view the world, then you're going to be able to write things like, you know, how dare AOC spend her time learning how to govern? When the rest of us are like, hey, things seem to be like fundamentally different than they were seven years ago. Maybe we should all try to do something about it. OK, Sarah, you get to take McCarthy. He floated impeachment today. He I want to get this right. Um, he acknowledged that thus far the House's probes have not proven any wrongdoing of Joe Biden. But he said that an impeachment inquiry would, quote, allow Congress to get the information to be able to know the truth. So. There is no crime or evidence of wrongdoing, but they have to start an impeachment so that they can find some. No perfect phone call to work off of. Huh. Uh, I mean, if these guys impeach Joe Biden, <laughs> uh, I hope they do. I hope they do. That is going to help Joe Biden and will be insane on the part of Republicans. And so great. He also did you see this thing where McCarthy said McCarthy's been really heaving some weird ones where he because he came out and not that long ago and was sort of like, I'm not sure that Trump's the best nominee for the party. And then he got <laughs> bitch slapped by Trump for it. So then he came out to be like, don't worry, uh, I am going to expunge Trump's impeachments, I'm gonna, which is like not even a thing he can do. Uh, it's like not clear that you can just yeah, expunge it's it. like when you're a juvenile offender gets pinched for having one joint. It's, you know, your parents hire a fancy lawyer because you were only 14. It gets I just don't think there's record, a process Sarah. for an expungement for your twice impeached dude. No, this is only impeachments in your second term go on your permanent record. There was an anonymous Republican who said that there are a lot of principled conservatives oh, yeah. that, would, that would object to that and that that's not going to happen in the Hill. An yes, anonymous I saw congressman. That. Oh, that anonymous. That, I love that anonymous Republican. That yeah, anonymous Republican awesome. is everywhere. He had to speak anonymously so as to protect himself. <laughs> yeah. I keep wanting <laughs> to donate. There are so many people who support what he says. Love yeah. that brave it's anonymous. Great. So just just as a quick contrast between those two takes, AOC, according to Freddie DeBoer, is just a regular old Democrat now. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, is advancing conspiracies that the, de the Department of Justice is uh, only indicting Donald Trump because of his poll numbers. Both Listen, sides. if they have something on Biden, go for it. They have something on Biden, go for it. But it is weird to me that you would, they would do impeachment. Impeachment is a very specific mechanism uh, that you would do impeachment as a process of inquiry. Because there are inquiry. other things you can do for that. There are other We're mechanisms. 
<laughs> well, he said he said they're they're thinking about making it an impeachment inquiry rather than an actual impeachment. An I'm sure that that is something they will be able to a distinction they'll be able to explain to the American public. Yeah. By the way, I'm not so convinced that uh, this would help Biden. Can you explain to me why why you think it will? I think it helped Trump when he got impeached the first time. Ultimately, I think it uh, solidifies your base in defense of you. Um, I think that Biden, one of the reasons Biden poll numbers are low is because he's lost a part of the Democratic Party. I think that if the Republicans were going after him hard on something that seemed baseless, where they didn't have evidence or anything big, I think you'd see a rally around Biden effect that would actually improve his poll numbers and create a a dichotomy between Trump's impeachments and the Biden impeachment that people would talk a lot about. I don't know. I just the low I just, information voters wouldn't just say, look, they were both impeached. Biden's well, that's hands what they want to do. I mean, this is where Republicans Republicans go. They understand the idea of muddying the waters and going. Let's for break Tim, Sarah. Let's do it. We can parody, do it. Right. Like uh, not parody, but parity in saying both. Um, yeah, they're both corrupt. They're both corrupt. Yeah, and they do. They want to do that for swing voters. Uh, I don't know. They can take that shot. I don't I don't know which way that falls. Exactly. We got more whistleblowers coming. They we'll say I keep getting emails from the guy who listens yeah, to us happening? and wants it's to, happening. It's to tell happening. me that we're ignoring the days. Hunter Biden things. And I'm like, a I phone don't... call. Joe Biden said hello. All right, guys, I gave you all the longest show of your dreams. Our friends out there. Super long show. Pretty good show. We didn't even like get to show. talk about Bronny James. We didn't get that, to talk about yeah. Bronny James. Um, is he is he OK? He's is OK. It? He's OK. But, you know, who knows? It might be myocarditis. We don't I mean, the head oh, of the, the, the most famous person. No, no, no. Elon no, no. is the really most the famous worst. person in the world said it's myocarditis. The second most famous Elon Musk. He just popped that out. Mm. Might have been a gay lover, too. Hard to say. We don't know yet. Um, but, you know, within 20 minutes of, of news that a young a young man has left the hospital, it's, it's always good to just kind of pop off. To your 54 million X's with your anti-vax conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So we didn't get come follow Bronny. us on threads. <laughs> come follow us on threads, everybody. Sarah, Sarah what are you, you coming to threads? <sighs> Guys, I cannot figure out another. I, I'll just, I'm a bitter ender on Twitter because it's the only thing I've oh, learned. Come how to on. Use. I'm not on any other social media platform. Threads uh, is the same thing. It's just the same thing. Yeah, my staff was like, people, my staff, the people on my team are like torturing me. They're reading me Tim's follower numbers on People threads. keep asking me where you are. They're like, well, I, I, I actually threaded. I, I put a thread out about you. I said, what do I have to do to get Sarah Longwell on this platform? And I got like 5,000 responses from people like, where is Sarah? We need Sarah. Okay. Sarah's always Your right. Your staff was using my follower count as bait? What, they're trying to yeah, make you they jealous? Were. They were. They're trying to make you yeah, jealous and like, it didn't oh, work? Well, Tim, yeah, that's right. Interesting uh, that they were using Tim's follower count and not. <laughs> mine well i didn't Tim's apparently like a bit of an instagram celebrity and so it was an easy i'm not on instagram so like i don't understand hannah has has us all hannah has us all lapped oh really yeah whatever i just i can't care about any other social media platform but i what i will say is i alluded to this earlier but by the time this drops tomorrow our campaign will have dropped uh and hopefully uh some some news about it so go to baggagefreegop.com to see trump voters against nominating trump yeah, do that after you go to uh, plus.thebulwark.com and sign up for all the great free stuff. I've been on fire with my newsletters, honestly. 
I've had an unbelievable month's worth of of content generation from me. Charlie's show has been great. Got to get the audio version of Will's magisterial Lindsey Graham piece, which you can download for free. We're just giving it away. I don't know why we're giving that thing away. How do we make up? We make it up on volume. Anyway, give us all the five stars. Give us hit the thumbs up button, subscribe, all those things. Leave us a review. And uh, Sarah, I'll see you in the Tim Free version of the show on Friday. And uh, then we'll see you Only on Only 10 bucks Sunday. a month to get rid of me. Only 10 bucks is a good deal. Tim Free, $10 for you. If Tim's brothers could have spent 10 bucks to get rid of him, the dinner, me. they fucking would have. They would have. I promise. Bye. Bye. Bye.